Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 54, we sit down with Alex Scheinitz from Avada Works. Alex walks us through how and why he and his business partner started this company. It was a really cool story there. And we, of course, discuss how they're utilizing data on mostly on the water and gas side of the meter to help their customers today. As usual, be sure to stick around until the end to hear what advice Alex would give to his 22-year-old self. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are actually listening. So if you're one of the people out there who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Alex and I, so let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Alex Scheinetz from Vataverks. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Jim. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. Right, let's just get right into it. For our audience members out there who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up, and then how you got started in this, this energy industry? Sure. I, uh, I grew up uh, outside of Boston, and um, after finishing engineering school, I found myself working for a company called Thermidor, which is a luxury appliance company out in California, making very big, very expensive, very inefficient um, appliances. And in that life, working there, there uh, as a product manager, I, I learned about some of the uh, kind of the mistakes that happen in the world outside of my direct cooking world and dishwashers and laundry with broken hoses and so forth. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, but for a $5 stainless steel reinforced hose, million dollar homes, million dollar, multi-million dollar homes uh, were getting destroyed. And I just kind of kept that in the background. Other, um, as my career developed, I did uh, zero energy um, or deep energy retrofits for home construction. And again, there was a need for the data for flow and water and gas and electricity. And I kind of put it together, uh, together with my partner, Dan Sexton, and uh, we set out to kind of solve the problem. And the problem was uh, being able to know uh, the kind and a type and amount of water that's flowing in the building. That's where we started. We started with water and do it in a way that solved the key problems that up till then, it had been expensive and disruptive to the building. We started in residential, but kind of we've, we're not in residential anymore. Now we're commercial. But um, the disruption and cost of installing the kinds of sensors that would provide the information that would detect those kinds of leaks, those the broken $5 hose, but anything else. And so we went out to solve a system without to create a product that didn't require a plumber, didn't require disruption, and that would be mostly universal in its installation so that someone could show up at the job site without a special component. This one sensor could work on any water meters. This one sensor could work on 
any gas meter. That's what we tried to do. Cut the cost, cut the disruption, and make something that was kind of idiot-proof. And how are you guys going to market today? Uh, so we're we're going to market with a, a product that is uh, present ourselves as a cheap and simple data solution to water and gas. So uh, we're selling to distributors, and we don't offer analytics. We offer data, and our customers, many of which are competitors with one another, uh, can use our sensors and overlay their own analytics and compete with each other with their own proprietary analytics, providing their own services. What we are doing is we're kind of selling a hammer and hammers are useful in any number of uh, ways, one of which is to bang in nails. Uh, we're selling a hammer and our customers are swinging that hammer in every different way. So we, there are a whole myriad of different ways that they're using it, but our, our primary go-to-market is cheap, simple, no games, no subscription, no gimmicks. We just solve the data issue. We present a product that solves the data issue for all of these uh, uh, energy service providers, so BMS companies, uh, government, military, hospitals, and um, schools. We have a number of them in high schools. And we solve that, and the data then can be processed by our various kinds of ESCOs and various kinds of analytics. We don't provide those. Got it. Okay, so you just decoupled two words that usually come together, data and analytics. You said, hey, we don't provide the analytics, we just provide the data. But typically, you just hear data analytics, they come together. So what was the thought process behind saying, hey, we're just doing the data, not the analytics? How did you guys come to that conclusion? We came to that conclusion because we were a startup with no money. And we decided to bite, take a big bite out of the part that we could digest. And that was the data. And then, and in fact, we had nothing really to add to the analytics. Our customers, current customers, all have data scientists, back-end, the data displays, visualizations, customers, service networks. They have everything. And uh, for us to provide analytics was just to reinvent the wheel. The wheel that wasn't invented was the data. And so they were, we were cutting out this huge problem and there was really no call for us to solve analytics. Maybe some days we develop a product and go after other markets, but in the markets that we're going after now, uh, educated, uh, educated customers that resell to commercial building owners or provide services to commercial building owners, uh, they didn't need any more. Okay, if you could give us um, give us a case study because I'm curious. You know, it sounds like you guys have this uh, this great invention here. It's really simple. You said it's really cheap. It's really affordable, and it's basically it's it's to diagnose a potential problem in a commercial facility. So, could you walk us through maybe a case study here, just so we could really put some texture to this? Sure. I, in fact, I have a case study that is yet to be a. It'll be a white paper, but it hasn't yet. It's okay. uh, last winter we have a major major customer that. Uh, they were uh, deploying. It was a field test of one of our devices. No analytics. They just want to see how well it tracks to the meter before they apply analytics. So um, I had gone to deploy it on the meter and left. It was working perfectly fine. Everything's good. Uh, 60 days later, I get a call saying things aren't matching up. <laughs> things aren't matching up. The meter is doing one thing and the data is doing another thing. Oh no, excuse me, excuse me. They didn't have the meter. It's just the data is doing something surprising compared to history. And so I, I drive down there, it's about an hour away, and I take a look and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's matching exactly to the meter. 
matching exactly to the meter, but the meter has been using a lot more water than before. So I walk around this facility, it's acres and acres through bathrooms, through all of the various outputs of water. I'm looking everywhere for where is this water being used? Is this like a university campus or a school district? It's a big box store. Big box, okay, all right. right. uh, And I'm finding leaks everywhere. I'm taking little notes of little leaks everywhere, but they're not big enough. And so I'm walking outside the building and by the baler, the garbage baler is for whatever reason, 200 yards from this store is a three foot high rise pipe gushing water into the woods and uh, not leaking on the driveway, not a place where customers are, not where truck drivers would see it. Thousands and thousands of gallons emptying off into the forest where nobody would see it unless they were looking for it. So immediately find find the shut off, shut it off, call the customer. And uh, I say, yep, that was uh, that was your issue. You were venting water into the woods for reasons beyond me. And uh, that stopped. And uh, that 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 will soon be a, a white paper. Cool. All right. I think that that really put it into uh, context for me. Now I can visualize where your product is helping. Very, very helpful. So Alex, what I wanted to do is just transition to the, uh, the next part of the show here and just ask you where you see the future of the industry headed. Right, you got this big picture kind of macroeconomic trend when it comes to water, water efficiency. So as you look out the next call it five, 10, 15 years, where do you see the industry heading? And by the way, this is where our device is for water and gas, but I will, what I got, what we talked about earlier is I said that we don't do analytics. And a lot of what was the reason that our products are purchased because of regulation, uh, because of they're tracking electric, they wanna track water and gas too. It's just, why not, right? Why not? And they don't always apply analytics to that. In the future, there will be more analytics to the data that our devices are collecting. It may not be from us, it probably won't be for us, but I think a lot of our customers are just collecting data because it's not that expensive to use our device and they have a, for the sake of completeness of what's happening in their building. But I think they're gonna be able to apply a lot more knowledge to the incoming data, to glean information about how their building's being used and how their building's being misused. A massive leak is certainly a massive thing, but you're going to need some better analytics to discuss, uh, to find where it's just, it's not a leak. It's just a misuse. It's just an overuse. It's a preheating of the building before it should be preheated. It's a use of water when people aren't in the building. And that kind of uh, detail, I think building owners will be very happy to see. And I think obviously these government edicts from state and federal um, will be just much more widespread. Got it. Got it. All right. Very, very good. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, every time I ask this question on the show, I'm like, all right, I got to go fast forward five years and then come back and listen to these and see who was right, who was wrong. So I always love hearing the, uh, the perspective on that. I think that's, that's good stuff. So last part of the show here, same four questions that I ask to every guest who comes on. Sure. I wanted to lead off here, Alex, and ask you, what are your daily non-negotiables? Uh, I think I might've touched on it. Was it really no games um, in both the product and the business? Uh, we all, I, I grew up in places where people ran off with the check when I was uh, doing uh, my first jobs. I didn't get that last check. The company went out of business. We just make sure that we don't commit to anything. Anything is a company that we're not able to follow through on. Take, uh, so we will ship. We make sure your money is safe. We make sure the product works. So um, we just no games, no subscriptions. We just try to keep it very simple and follow through with what we promise. 
Well, let's rewind the clock. 22-year-old self, you're graduating with, I think, a mechanical engineering degree? That's right. Yeah, mechanical. mechanical. Okay. Yeah. All right, coming out of school, what advice would, would you give to yourself then? You know, it, it's funny. I don't, you know, it's kind of like uh, regrets. That's a question that's kind of directed at regrets. And I don't have any regrets, but I think that what I immediately did when I got out of engineering school is quit all my real jobs that were offered to me and took the uh, internship overseas working for breadcrumbs and beer and bratwurst. And I think that uh, I would recommend anybody who's financially in a position to hold off paying their debts for some time is to hold off taking a real job. Take some risks, take some chances, put yourself in a position where you feel uncomfortable, get overseas, change your world, repot. And I, I would recommend that to anybody. Very good. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I... Well, I can say that I used to, my background was major appliances and developing major appliances and what made me happy there. It's the same thing that makes me happy here. It was the same thing that makes me happy in all of the other things that I have done in my life, which is kind of as we are developing products or serving a customer is to kind of put Easter eggs, you know, this term Easter eggs, that they are little kind of surprises, uh, things that make the product work better in a way uh, that the customer doesn't expect, that the distributor doesn't expect, that the installer doesn't expect. That, um, uh, and so that uh, we think a lot about ways that we can add functionality and benefit to the customer. It doesn't add cost, but does add kind of a, a useful Easter egg. I think that's kind of making making and and hearing. I think a little bit about from our customers and how uh, our device kind of unlocks and solves a problem that they've been having for decades. Those, those are great. Very good, all right, all right. Last question here, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? And never, you know, nobody has ever asked that before, ever, Jim, and I've never really thought about it. And I, I actually, I'm not motivated by legacy. And I think um, if you think about the things that um, we're trying to do with efficient buildings, we're trying to do to follow gas usage and water usage, it's really about uh, making the world a better place for the future and making sure that the world is livable in the future. It's kind of an all hands on deck uh, endeavor, not just what you're doing with the podcast, but what we're doing with products. The other people you're talking to are probably doing similar things. Writing the ship and making and getting us back on path is really the only thing I care about. I have no <laughs> I don't care about any chiseling of my likeness into any mountains, but uh, I think that uh, I think we'll all be judged with how well we're able, you know, to meet this particular uh, requirement in these days. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, I think that's a perfect way to, to wrap up the show here. So Alex, thanks for your time. And thanks for coming on the building efficiency podcast. Thanks, Jim. All right. All right, folks, there you have it. Episode 54 with Alex Scheimitz. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. Now, we hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.